Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad that you're here. My name is Dave. I'm one of your pastors here at Epicos, a member of the teaching team, and it's my joy and privilege to share from God's word this morning. John chapter 12, we're going to be going from verse 44 through 50. Uh, It's a beautiful passage where Jesus is uh, proclaiming uh, some wonderful things about himself, about God the Father, um, and that's where we're going to be today. Bible that you brought with you, a Bible maybe in front of you, Bible on your smartphone. But before we jump in, I want to ask this question. Have you ever flipped on a light and been surprised? Uh, I'm pretty sure something's living in my detached garage, so when I go in there and I flip on the light and I see something scurry across the floor, I'm a little freaked out. Uh, I have four children. I flipped on the light and just realized that they have just torn a room apart and there's, you know, a huge mess that has to be cleaned up. But it's nothing like my brother-in-law and sister-in-law when they came home from a weekend away and they pulled in, parked in their garage, walked up to their back door, which leads right into their kitchen. And as they flipped on their light, (laughs) they realized that in the middle of their kitchen was their giant clawfoot tub from their bathroom upstairs because somehow there had been a slow leak and over time the floor had rotted away and this heavy you know steel or whatever clawfoot tub heavy duty tub crashes through the ceiling and is sitting not just gently sitting right it's caused all sorts of damage there's debris there's garbage uh you know it's it's a mess and that's a surprise, <laughs> all, all from just turning on the light. Jesus, in our passage today, refers to him as the light. He, he, he says, I am the light of the world. And part of that is a wonderful truth, but part of it is revealing things that sometimes we wish stayed more hidden. Let's look at our passage today, John 12, 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. If you're a note taker, First observation today, Jesus is light. If you're not a note taker, it's a great time to to start because all the points are very short. Jesus is light. Jesus is light. This is what he's saying in these first few verses. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Now, we've been in the book of John. We started at chapter 1, verse 1, and we, we worked our way through. Uh, some of you might have kind of joined us for the Relationship Goals series, um, and you're kind of just jumping into John. 
But what Jesus is saying here is actually reminding us and kind of summarizing even in some ways things that he and the, the disciple John who wrote the book have been saying since the beginning of the book. John, of course, begins with this beautiful hymn, this prologue, this, this piece of poetry, if you will, that begins the entire book of John that, that says some of these similar things. It says, in the beginning, and if you're a student of scripture, you're going, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But John throws a curveball at you. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In fact, you can divide the book of John into two kind of books or, you know, parts, if you will. And book one is often called the book of signs. Jesus has done seven miraculous signs that point to his divinity. And the second book is often recalled to, referred to as the book of glory that begins in John chapter 13. So we're at the end of the book of signs and the beginning of the book of glory. And part of the book of glory is about how the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, Jesus has been shining and even though they try and crucify him, the darkness will not overcome the light of the world. And so in ancient books, they don't have a table of contents. So the author kind of gives us this beginning to kind of orient us. Pick it up in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. We've seen this, that that some people are believing in Jesus, but many are rejecting, and the religious leaders are rejecting Jesus' message, and they're persecuting him, ultimately is going to lead to his crucifixion. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus, we see, is light. And part of that light is the light of revelation. Part of that light is the, the light of revelation. Our passage and this opening hymn in the book of John reveals to us the nature of God. Jesus is saying, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John tells us in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, separate and distinct. And the Word was God, equal and the same. And that's confusing, and it causes a lot of questions. In theologians talk about the Trinity, God eternally existing, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, in his own words, are making part of this clear. If you believe in me, you believe in God the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen God the Father. I am not God the Father, I am God the Son, Right? So there's a separateness, but there's a unity and there's a sameness. And Jesus is saying he's come to reveal God. In fact, he then points to the fact that he is God. He makes these I am statements. The, the Lord of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, revealed in the Old Testament, all throughout the, the scriptures, would talk and, and use the title I am which refers to his eternal existence. 
And so when Jesus makes seven I am statements throughout the book of John, we should take notice. So far, we've seen five of them. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're going to see him uh, make some more I am statements as we go through the rest of the book. But verse 46, he says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So part of this light is the revelation of who God the Father is, the, the revealing of this truth. But part of this light is moral clarity. Part of the light of Jesus Christ is moral clarity. When we were born, God gave us a gracious gift to each one of us. He gave us a conscience. That part of us that tells us right from wrong. So even as a young child, you could go, uh, this probably isn't the right thing to do. But there's something in each of us where we, not, not all the time, excuse me, not all the time, but sometimes we choose the wrong thing. Even though our conscience tells us that it's the wrong thing, we choose it for whatever reason. And then once we do that and we know that it's wrong, we do something else, which is we try and cover it up. We lie about it. We hide it. This is darkness. This is what Jesus says. He, as the light of the world, is coming and revealing. He is bringing moral clarity. Part of what Jesus is about is revealing the holiness and the truth of God. Simply put, the bathtub does not belong in the kitchen. <laughs> when you flip on the light and there's the bathtub, you don't go, well, this will work. And part of that is because sin doesn't work. We try and make it work, but it doesn't work. And it's not aligned with the builder's intention. The builder and the blueprints of that house never intend for that bathtub to just crash through the ceiling it's meant to be in its place and the kitchen is meant to function the way that it's meant to function and, and the bathtub should not be in the middle of the kitchen. Scripture actually uses the metaphor of a house often to talk about our life. Jesus said, build your life, your house, on my teaching and it will be a firm foundation. You will not be swept away. Here's how Proverbs 24 puts it. It says, by wisdom... A house is built, and by understanding is it established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It's not talking about a physical house. It's talking about your household or the house of your life. And by wisdom, it means the fear of the Lord. Proverbs makes clear that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. In other understand, rightly understanding God's principle, God's design, God's intention for your life as the creator God who made your life, who gave you your life, and as he intends it to be. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, is it established? So wisdom and understanding are part of this moral clarity that Jesus as the light brings, and how you build your house matters. It matters. Another aspect of Jesus being the light is that, that he gives us the spiritual sight to recognize him as the Messiah. We see this in the miracle that, that Jesus performed in John chapter 9 of giving the man born blind sight. 
And he, he explains in that that part of our problem is that we're, we're spiritually blind, that we don't have the eyes to recognize Jesus and that his light illuminates our eyes, gives us sight that we might understand who he is. Jesus is the light. Second observation is that Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. I told you they'd be short. Take a look at John 12 again. Pick it up in verse 47. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. And that that should be a curveball for us. We should, what do you mean? For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Now, what Jesus is saying here is simply put, he is salvation. His purpose on earth is not to bring judgment, it's to bring salvation. Now sometimes, especially if you're new to church, you might not have heard this at church before. You might have just heard, you know, God is sitting up there, you know, on the throne in heaven with a lightning bolt and he's just waiting for you to mess up so that he can strike you. But I'm telling you right here from Jesus' own words, Jesus is saying, my purpose, I did not come to judge you. I did not come as judge. I came as Savior. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. He says something similar in a more extended way in John chapter 3. Let's go back there and remind ourselves. John chapter 3 begins with one of the most famous verses in verse 16. Let's start there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Go back to the kitchen. Just picture it being your kitchen, your house, and you're there, but you have a friend with you. But your friend has a perfect house. Because they have a background in construction and they're really handy and they have all the time in the world to maintain their house. And you walk in and there you're exposed. You you miss this leak. Your your bathtub is in the kitchen. And you're embarrassed and you're afraid that your friend, of course, is going to either rib you or give you a rough time or or think less of you, right? You're you're worried about them judging you. But then your friend says, I'm not here to judge you. I knew that this was going to happen. I'm here to help. I'm here to repair. I'm here to put this back in order. I know how to plumb. I know how to fix ceilings. We're going to get this bathtub back where it needs to be and we're going to repair and restore and renew this house. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to wag my finger at you. I'm here to restore your life, to bring salvation. 
It's important to understand what Jesus is saying about his purpose. It's also important to understand what the Bible says about judgment, specifically when we're judged. When we're judged. Hebrews 9, and our passage I'll show you in a minute, but Hebrews 9 makes this clear. It is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes judgment. It's appointed for man once to die. You die after you're alive, right? You're tracking with me. So we're living. All of us will die. And when does judgment happen? After we die. That's what the Bible teaches. In fact, in our passage, this is what what Jesus himself says. Whoever does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him when? On the last day. That's the phrase that refers to this judgment day. That, that other scripture refers to as the judgment or standing and giving an account before God. The truth is that each of us who are alive will at one point die and after we die, we will all give an account to God for every thought, for every word, for every action. And if all of that doesn't align perfectly with God's holy commands, we will, we will be condemned and separated from God. Now, it's important to understand when this happens, and I just want to make two quick observations. First of all, sometimes the wicked prosper, but no one escapes judgment. The Bible says that that we look around and we see people who are engaged in evil activities, and they seem to be getting ahead. How does this work? It's not that God doesn't intervene and bring correction or judgment from time to time. He does. That's not the judgment. And it also explains Why there is a time where evil and wickedness can flourish and seem to prosper, but in the end, God will set all things right. Second observation that I want to make about when the judgment is, is that if you are still alive, it is God's grace to you. If you are still alive, it means it's not judgment day. Because if judgment and judgment day takes place after death, If you are alive and breathing right now, I assume that you are. You might be sleeping, but maybe you're waking up now. If you are alive and breathing right now, today, the Bible says, is a day of salvation. It's not a day of judgment. Judgment day will come, make no mistake about it. But what is today? Today is a day of salvation. And that's what Jesus is saying. Judgment will come. In fact, if you're apart from me, you already stand condemned. Judgment will come, but today is a day of salvation. I think it was about three or four years ago now. We, my wife and I hadn't seen Niagara Falls, and we wanted our kids to see it, so we took a family trip out there. And here's my main observation. I was surprised by the lack of guardrails, okay? Just, I'll be honest. And our kids were younger. This is how I experienced Niagara Falls. Kids, stay back. Okay? Stay back from the edge. Just look from a distance. <laughs> because there's like, there is a serious lack of guardrails. In fact, before we even got close to see it, there's this little path kind of off the, it like goes off the cement path and we just kind of wandered over there. What's over here? And we pulled back these bushes and there's the rapids like right there. Why is there a path to the rapids? I don't even know. And no guardrails to be seen. We took this tour. And I mean, it's, it's, if you've never been there, there's this huge river and all the rapids and the rushing and the roiling, and then you know it's coming, and then there's the 
than Niagara Falls. It's sure death. Even if you're in a barrel or a steel thing, right, you know. So the tour guide takes us and he says, if you, we're way back. And he says, if you fall in here, you have 90 seconds. You have 90 seconds before you go over. And it's like, that's like forever. But you have 90 seconds if you fall in here before you go over the edge of Niagara Falls. Then he, at this other point in the tour, he says, this is the point of no return. You cannot be rescued past this point. Because it's just a few seconds. It looked like forever, but it's just a few seconds before you're swept over the edge. This life goes by in a minute. Understand what Jesus is saying. We are not safely standing on the edge of the rapids. We are in the river. We are already swept up in the current of sin. You and I are already in the river and at the end of this life we will be carried to judgment day and we will stand condemned. Our only hope, our only hope is to reach up in a a gesture of faith our hand and ask for salvation before it's too late. And that's what Jesus is explaining. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to push you in. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to save you. I am salvation, Jesus says. I am salvation. Part of the very book of John is to make this clear to us. In fact, here's what it says in John 20. 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These are written that you might believe and by believing, how do we do this? By believing you might have life in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been performing signs all throughout the first half of the book of John in order to point us to the clear understanding that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. In fact, in chapter 2, he turned water into wine. He healed the official son in chapter 4. He heals the lame man in chapter 5. He feeds the 5,000 and walks on water in John chapter 6. He heals a man born blind, speaking about our spiritual blindness in John chapter 9. And then ultimately, he resurrects Lazarus from the dead by calling his name after four days, and the dead man walks out. Why? To prove that he is the power of life and death in his hands. And he is the God of heaven and earth. He's done all of these signs that we might believe. He's not a prophet. He's not just a holy man. He's not just come to tell us about God. He says, I have come revealing God the Father. If you believe in me, you're believing in God. If you have seen me, you have seen God. And he's calling us to that belief. I watch stupid videos on the internet that make me giggle. Do you do this? I'm going to show you one just because it, it, it demonstrates this point. You've probably seen it. You probably had the same thought, but I just identify with this. It's this sheep stuck in this ditch, and he's being rescued. 
he's being rescued. <laughs> and then he dives head first back in. <laughs> he was rescued. He took like four steps. And he's, there's the slow motion. Vroom. This is me. This is you. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we need the good shepherd to rescue us. We're hopelessly stuck. And we need salvation. Jesus is salvation. Now, I don't want to make this confusing. There is a moment in our life when we first come to Jesus Christ, where we first believe and he rescues us. He pulls us out. He gives us spiritual sight. We can understand that he's, he's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. But the salvation continues, right? He continues to preserve us. He continues to sanctify us. He continues to redeem us. He continues to lead us. He continues to shepherd us. He just continues on with his act of salvation because it's who he is. It is his nature. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. I just want you to humor me just for a minute. Close your eyes and just picture the face of Jesus. And if you see any kind of hint of, of judgment, of condemnation, of disapproval, it's not there. Instead, picture a face of salvation delighting over you, rescuing you, concerned for you, there to repair your home and your life. You can open your eyes. I, I just, I want you to go through that simple exercise because it's so easy for us to picture the face of Jesus as being one of the judge. But Jesus makes clear, I did not come to judge. I came to save. Jesus is your savior. He's your shepherd. He's rescuing you and he offers you that rescue. And then finally, Jesus is life. Jesus is light. Jesus is salvation. And Jesus is life. Life. Let's just go back to that purpose statement of the book of John. It's at the end, but it's, it's applicable. But these, these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. By believing, you may have life in his name. Here's how Jesus says it in 49 and 50. For I have not spoken on my own authority. Jesus has been making this point that he's sent by the Father. He's speaking on his authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. By the way, here's where Jesus defines eternal life, or I mean, excuse me, this commandment in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He's praying this, but he's saying that's eternal life. What, what is this all? It all points to believing in Jesus. We receive life in his name. We're hoping for rescue. 
we reach out a hand of faith for him to rescue us. And there's, there's so many verses in the New Testament that talk about this, but Titus chapter 3, verse 3 is a beautiful picture of it. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. Picture the sheep face down in the ditch. Slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice, this, this wicked hatred and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is the description of darkness. Our desire and our propensity to do wrong, to commit sin, to enthrone ourselves as God over our life, not realizing that we're saying, we're kicking God out, we're rebelling against God. God, you have no place in my life. I'm going to run my life. I'm going to rule my life. Total rebellion against God. Verse 4 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Just picture that sheep face down in that ditch. It's not saving itself. The end of that sheep is a predator coming and eating it or it dying of starvation. It's dead in the ditch. You and I were dead in our sins. Not by us in works of righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified, justified, made right with God, by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is good news. This, this is good news. Understand that the picture that the Bible paints, the, the point that Jesus is making is very simple. He's not there to push us in the river. We're already in the river. The edge is coming. There is a day of judgment at the end of life. Our only hope is to reach out a hand in faith asking for salvation. And Jesus says he is able and he is willing to save us, to rescue us, to pull us out of the current of sin and give us life. This phrase eternal life is interesting. It talks about that we think in terms of the time of the life, but it's the nature of the life too. It's life of the kingdom. And it's eternal because Jesus' kingdom, it says, is a kingdom without end. It lasts forever. His reign and rule will last forever. And if we are part of his kingdom reign and rule, then we will be part of that foreverness. But sometimes we get this confused. I'm going to live and then I'm going to die and I'm going to stand at the judgment. By the way, the Bible says that Jesus becomes our advocate at the judgment. That's where he saves us from, from the curse of sin. And then we think, then I'm going to begin my eternal life. But the Bible says that when we trust Jesus, we receive that life right now. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray towards that end. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we are praying heaven here and now. That we are experiencing kingdom life here and now. That it's not something that we have to wait for. Now, the fullness of God's kingdom and everything being set right in his perfect justice and righteousness, there is a day. But the life begins now. <laughs> it's not happening at some other point. It's happening now. This is eternal life. I just want to be clear. 
Anytime we give this clear of an explanation of what it means to place your faith and your trust in Jesus, we always want to give people an opportunity to respond. And I'm going to do that in, in just a moment. If you've never trusted Christ, if you've never had a moment where you've understood that Jesus is your Savior, not your judge, I'm going to give you a chance to turn your life over to Jesus in, in just a moment. But I want to talk first to those of us who are in Christ. We've already trusted Christ. We, we have that moment where we know that we've turned our life over to Jesus, where we've, we've, we've reached out our hand in faith and asked Jesus to save us. He's not done with you. He, he knows that the bathtub is going to keep falling through the ceiling of your kitchen, <laughs> that we're not perfect this side of heaven and that he's not done with you and that if you're still drawing breath, today is a day of salvation. That it's a continuing and active, it's, it's the process of sanctification and redemption. It's active and ongoing and he is the one who carries us through until the end. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't go back to darkness. <laughs> he's not there to judge you. He is there to repair the house of your life according to his plan, according to his blueprint. And he wants us to hand our life over to him and to do things his way. For those of you who today is the first day that you've ever heard that Jesus is salvation in this way and your eyes have been opened and you're ready to turn your life over to Christ, I'm just going to give us an opportunity here as we close, just a prayer. And the prayer is just going to be you acknowledging that you've sinned against God, that you've done wrong, and confessing that you believe in Jesus, that your eyes have been opened, that you believe in Jesus as the Messiah, that you believed he died in the cross as payment for your sin. That's how the, the debt of our sin is paid for, and that he rose from the dead, conquering death and sin. He offers it to you as a free gift. All you're doing is in your heart, you're reaching out a hand, saying, I can't do it, I can't save myself. Jesus, save me. Let's pray. Everybody with your eyes closed and your head down, if you'd like to turn your life over to Christ today for the very first time, you've never prayed this prayer before, but you want to, just pray in your heart something like this. Heavenly Father, I know that I've wronged you. I've sinned. I need rescue. <laughs> Jesus, please rescue me. Don't let me be swept into judgment. Save me. Save me from my sin. Be my advocate on Judgment Day. I turn my life over to you. You are my only hope. I, I trust in you. I believe in you. I believe that you died and rose from the dead and that you've paid the penalty for my sin. Jesus, come into my life and I give you my life. I turn my life over to you. Build the house of my life, King Jesus. With everybody still kind of in an attitude of prayer, I just want to ask that if, if you prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me? I'm not going to make you come forward. Everybody else just looking down. But if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I just want you to look up at me and I just kind of want to make eye contact with you and welcome you to God's family. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. If you don't think I can see, you can just kind of wave your hand just a little bit. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. If you're in the, welcome to God's family in the back. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family in the balcony. Welcome to God's family. I see that hand. Welcome to God's family. 
Oh, what, a, what a moment. Let's all pray and rejoice. Heavenly Father, you tell us that all of heaven erupts in praise and celebration when just even one person turns their life over to you. God, you've, you are a God who saves. You have done it all. You have made the way. You are rescuing us and redeeming us, pulling us out of the current of sin. God, have your way in us. Lord, we praise you for new life. Lord, bring your life, bring your, your kingdom life into our, our moment here and now. Let heaven invade earth. Let it begin in our hearts. God, we praise you for this new life. Have your way in us. Remind us of your salvation and your goodness each and every moment. We praise you and thank you. In the name and power of Jesus Christ, amen.